morning. If you have a Bible, maybe maybe you can read the passage that we're gonna look at this morning. is from Matthew chapter twenty-seven. Matthew chapter twenty-seven, verse twenty-seven to thirty-one. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him and put a scarlet rope on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the rope and put him on clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Okay. Oh, we are in land. I know I don't know what you're doing, or what you kind of try to be abstain from something, or know that I used to uh, had a specific prayer over the land, uh, and then thinking about Christianity because I think the center or absence of Christianity is Jesus, of course, but we celebrate Christmas as a big holiday, which is good, but at the same time, if you just celebrate the birth of Jesus, maybe. It's not that really significant because he died. And then his death was the most shameful way, crucifixion. So I think uh, the power of Christ is uh, resurrection beyond crucifixion. And uh, Christianity is about Jesus. Then the way he was born or the way he died is meaningful, but... Who is Jesus then? He died for every humankind, but who is Jesus? So I'm asking this question to you this morning. Who is Jesus personally? Who do you think Jesus is? And then what title do you want to give him to him? What title do you want to give Jesus? Does it make sense? Some people said in Jesus' time, especially the book of Matthew we're going to look into. Some people said he's a prophet or he was a teacher. But what about you? So can we have a moment to think about who do you think Jesus is? What title do you want to give him? Is it clear? So can you have a moment or oh, share with someone next to you? And so what do you think Jesus is to you, especially in your life personally? There's maybe one or a couple of a couple of you maybe you can share who do you think Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you especially? Savior. Pardon? Savior. Savior, yes. Pardon? Friend, yes. Good. Rock. Yes. Amen. Rock. That's good. Lord of everything. Yes. Creation. Great. Amen. Son of God. Son of God. Amen. Uh, yeah, we all know who Jesus is. Well, I think it seems like we know Jesus' identity. Savior was born as a human being, even though he was God himself. But let's, let's really go back to Jesus' time. Let's imagine that we're one of the maybe crowd. And then we were following Jesus. We heard about Jesus. 
And then when we are living in Israel, in Israel, nation of Israel, we've been waiting for the Messiah, which is the Christ to be born. Right? We are on the Roman Empire, and uh, in our land, let's say Jerusalem or whatever in Israel, we are one of the Jewish people, and that we've been waiting for Messiah to be born. And that we were taught mainly by the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. Those are the religious leaders. They have been training and teaching people for the kingdom of God, and then they've been waiting for Messiah, the king of the Jews. Right? So we may have anticipation of the coming king. Right? The coming king. Because Christ means anointed. But anointed one is maybe either prophet or priest or king. But what they are looking for is king of the Jews. So maybe specifically I want to maybe look into what the other people thought about Jesus, who Jesus is, in the, especially in the book of Matthew, because uh, we have synoptic gospels, the three gospels, Matthew, Mark, uh, and Luke. But Matthew is specifically written to the Jewish people. So as a wither of the book of Matthew, is specifically talking to the Jewish people. So uh, Fiona said, the son of God. Some people, they thought Jesus is the son of God. They call Jesus son of God. But this expression was not very new for them because most of the Greek God or Roman God, they were called as a son of this God, a son of that God. For instance, emperor who was a son of Poseidon or son of Zeus. So it was, it was the son of God means the ruler of the nation and the divine being, not just human being. So son of God was just the same expression they were using because it was a very common expression. But at the same time, for Jewish mindset, son of God means the most righteous person. The most righteous person. But as a nation whole, as a whole, the nation as a whole, they tried to keep every law. Mosaic laws and other laws. So that the righteous one, which means the most righteous one, which means the one who is not going to break any law, will be the leader. So the mindset is still, son of God means ruler or the leader of the nation. But this is who, only these people, they call Jesus as the son of God. Once, when Jesus was baptized, the voice from heaven said that he is my son, my beloved son. So it was God the Father. And the centurion, centurion is not Jews. So this is very interesting. Not Jews, not Jewish people, but Gentiles, they recognize who Jesus is. And then, a number of times, at least a couple of times, demons or evil spirits, they recognize Jesus and they say, Oh, Son of God. And then there was only one occasion the disciples, they called, oh, he is the son of God. But that's when he saw Jesus walking on the water. When he saw this, they saw huge miracle. So I don't think that they were really kind of recognizing who Jesus is by this, by this time. And then another uh, title is very, uh, another one, uh, dominantly appearing uh, a lot is a son of David. Son of David which means the descendants of King David, because they were waiting for the king, and then they knew that this king would be the line of Judah as a son of David. Again, 
those who recognize Jesus, or at least those who called Jesus as the son of David, was a blind man. Does it make sense? Blind man, they called Jesus as the son of David. Again, one Canaanite lady, woman, she called, oh, Jesus, son of David. Canaanite. They had no expectations for the Jewish king to be born. It has nothing to do with them. And a crowd, when Jesus drove out the demon, or many crowds, they said, oh, son of David. And children, they said, oh, son of David. They're singing. And then when Jesus entered the Jerusalem, the crowd on the street, they said, oh, son of David. Uh-huh. And uh, some people specifically, they called Jesus the king of Jews, and wise men, three wise men, they came to bow down because they, they thought the king of the Jews was born. And, but some other people, they called, this is what other people thought. Some people, they thought, oh, he's Elijah. Oh, he was resurrected. Oh, he's one of the prophets. Or maybe he's Jeremiah, because Jeremiah is a big prophet figure. And then some people mostly called a rabbi, a teacher. Or uh, the scribes and chief priests, they said, oh, he's an imposter. He's cheating people. He's deceiving people. So imposter. So the unique thing in this uh, concept is that uh, those who have been trained for the kingdom of God, which means those are the religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, none of them, they could recognize who Jesus is. None of them, they recognize who Jesus is. None of them accepted as Jesus as a savior or the king of the nation. But once again, the list, those who at least call Jesus uh, with a proper title is Gentile Centurion, and demons, demons, and evil spirits, and blind men, Canaanite woman, crowd, those who are uneducated most of the times, and children. Uh huh. Are you with me? And they have been they've been waiting for the Messiah to be born. Especially the leader of the nations, the scribes, high priests, and Pharisees. They've been longing for Messiah to be born because they were under foreign nations for about you know, many hundred years. And then 400 years, there has been a silence. It was a silent period because there was no prophet or walls. And then they've been waiting for the Messiah to be born and born and born. But finally, the Messiah was born. But the nation crucified him. But it was not the majority of the crowd. It was religious leaders. It was a high priest. It was the Pharisees. It was the scribes who stirred up the nation to crucify him. Mm-hmm. If Jesus was not the king, why would the enemy try to stop the bloodline of Jesus so many times? For instance, uh, when Moses was born, that was a genocide. All Hebrew boys were to be cut off. Do you see this? This is a homicide and genocide to annihilate the entire nation. What if enemy, the Satan, successfully they cut off all the bloodline? Messiah. What about the Messiah? Could he be born? 
And then time of southern king, time of uh, divided kingdom. In southern kingdom, there was a queen called Athaliah, a wicked lady, and then son, a daughter of uh, Zezebel. And she once tried to try to kill every single royal family. Uh huh. Every single royal family she tried to kill. And oh, luckily, Joash was eight months old, and he was saved by his aunt. His uncle was a high priest, and then he was hidden. He was hidden. But I, I would say this is still again enemy satanic attack to cut the blood to messianic line. What if George was not George couldn't survive? What about Jesus? And then what about the time of Esther? The story of Esther. That was an attempt to annihilate the entire nation. They tried to kill every single Jewish people on earth. And then uh, Esther, such a time as this. And then she became a king, and then she saved the nation. And then that was not the end. We know the story that every boy under two years old, they were killed by King Herod, by Jesus' time. We see this struggle and tensions between God's plan to bring the Savior through the, uh, the line of Judah and the satanic attack. So at least, at least the, the demons, of course, Satan, they were so sure that Jesus was born, and then Jesus is going to be born, and then he was born. Are you with me? And then the nation has been waiting for Jesus. Then, why is it so difficult? Why was it so difficult for the religious leaders to accept or acknowledge Jesus as a king of Jews? Even though they had been waiting for the Messiah to be born, but they couldn't. But only uneducated people, only Gentiles, which means non-Jewish person, or blind, uh, uneducated children, they could recognize who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. There was one, only one occasion Peter confessed that, oh, you are the Messiah, you are the son of the living God. Jesus was declared as the son of the living God by Peter alone, only once. But after that, Jesus, he, tried, he, he started to foretell his future, but his prophecy over himself is that I will be caught and I will be killed and I will be I will resurrect. Three times. Jesus foretold his uh, disciples that he will be caught and he will be murdered and he will rise again. Three times. But we all know what happened to disciples, 12 disciples. Those who have been with Jesus uh, many years, by the time when Jesus was caught, by the time when Jesus was crucified, what happened? What about these 12 disciples? Uh, the passage that we read is uh, just before crucifixion, right? What about, these, what about these disciples? Where did they go? Why did they leave Jesus? Did they really understand who Jesus is? It doesn't look like they really understood who Jesus is. So they ran away, so, which means Jesus was betrayed. Then he was rejected by inner circle by his one brother even, because he, none of his uh, real biological brothers believe in Jesus 
until they saw Jesus resurrected. So by the time Jesus was called, no one was with Jesus. Now Jesus is alone. Uh, maybe I'm going to read this scripture again. Uh, according to the scripture, they, now the soldier of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him. They took all the clothes away from Jesus. Imagine that we are the sin. You see that Jesus was almost naked in front of many people. And then they put a scallop robe on him. Scallop robe, which is royal purple, means the royal, the royalty, the, the, you know, the kingship. So they put king's costumes on him and twisting together a crown of thorns. Now they twist the crown of thorns and then put, put it on his head. Now Jesus has a crown as a king. And put a reed in his right hand. So on his right hand, there was a reed. Instead of reed, instead of maybe sword, as a king. And people kneeling before him. Now we see Jesus is becoming king in a mocking way, though. He was stripped, and then he was put royal garment, a royal robe on him, and now reed is like fake sword, and people kneeling before him. And then they mocked him, say, Hail, king of the Jews! Yes, oh, look at you, you are the king, of course you are the king. You are the king, they said. And then they spit on him, and they took the reed, and struck him on in the head, and then when they had mocked him, they streamed up the rope and then took the rope off and put his one clothes on him and then led him away to crucify him. That's just that's what happened just before crucifixion. I know uh, in maybe in a Middle Eastern culture as well, you know, uh, hit on the head is maybe humiliating. That's in our culture as well. So touching head, even in Korean culture, is not really good. Don't touch head or don't hit, especially. Even as a joke, that's not a joke at all. It's a humiliation. So when we see this, this is every, every kind of humiliation is happening before Jesus. Underestimating who Jesus is. Twisting who Jesus is. Every activities, everything happened to Jesus is to, to mock at him, to underestimate him, uh, twist or distort his own identity. But using the same word, okay, you are king. Yeah, you are king. And then we treat you as a king with our despise and contempt and disrespect. As, and then after that, the crucifixion. The crucifixion was in the past was only for the slave and pirates and the criminals. It was not new punishment way. But it was, uh, crucifixion has a long history, but it was mainly for the slaves. And then crucifixion is the most shameful and disgraceful and dishonorable way to annihilate or to execute people. So Jesus was crucified, which means he was, he died in a most unshameful, most unshameful, shameful way. 
So let's think about how Jesus was born. He was a king of the Jews, but he was born in a manger. He was born in a manger. And as a king, he had to run away. He couldn't save the nation. He didn't save the nations from the birth because he ran away from, the, from Herod in Egypt because King Herod was killing people. So Jesus looks like wimp. He didn't do anything to save his own people. So the way he was born is a very unexpected way, and then the way he died is, again, is more unexpected way. That makes sense. So if that is the end, I think it will be just a sad story. But the thing is, that's not the end. That's the beginning. That's the beginning of the story. He died. He was born as a humble man. He died in a most disgraceful way. And then even his, his disciples, they all ran away. I wonder how they would feel because they were following Jesus for three years. Now their leader was just captured and then he died with the criminals together. And then my three years with Jesus is nothing. Maybe in vain? Nothing. But Jesus, he, he was resurrected. That's the good news. The good news is resurrection. So I think uh, resurrection is, uh, I think, the, uh, for me, I think this is the biggest or m- the most meaningful part of Christianity. Here was the gain. So maybe this is a picture that I have. Cross. Cross, Jesus. Undermined, distorted, and rejected, and tortured Savior is on the cross with a, a crown of thorns. And then he died as a perfect human being. But behind this cross, just behind the sin, the other side of the cross, my picture is Jesus has a big grin on his face. He has a huge grin on his face with his flower, with the glory. Halo is behind, maybe, my imagination. Does it make sense? But by the time Jesus was on the cross, and then by the time he was about to just die, what about Satan? Maybe Satan's biggest smile ever, the whole battle to stop this Messiah to function as a savior. Maybe he was just celebrating the moment of victory, but just behind the scene, now Jesus, it is finished. Everything is finished. It is finished. I think that's who we are. If we understand who Jesus is, I think we understand who we are. And then I don't, when I was preparing this, uh, you know, Sunday, I was kind of, had a little bit of similar feeling while Fiona shared. I don't know how many of us we've been battling for the last few weeks, maybe this week or last couple of days. Jesus went through the shame and disgrace, a feeling of rejection, and then maybe his whole identity has been challenged, is more than challenged, distorted. But what about us? I'm not sure how many of us we've been, we are just going through the similar situations, maybe situations or just feelings. What about me? And do I have kind of self-esteem sound enough now? Do I have condemnations? Am I struggling with a feeling of a guilt? Or am I feeling that I'm very underestimated? 
mainly by close people because, you know, those are not close. Whatever they say, we don't mind. But what about me? What if someone who is very close to me around, they misunderstand me or they, they distort some of the things about me or am I underestimated? If so, I mean, this is a huge attack on our identities. But the only way that we can stand firm is think about Jesus. And that's not the end. Jesus, he went through the exactly the same thing. And he can identify with us. And that we have hope. Not because of who we are. Not because we are, what did you say, good enough. Not because we are good enough. Maybe we will never be good enough. Because we will never be perfect. We always will be bad enough in some sense. But we will, we will get better and better. It's because of who Jesus is. So one, one thing uh, that really kind of in my heart for today is let's not lose our heart. Let's not lose our heart. But let's remember that we are the overcomers like Jesus. Let's remember the big green behind the cross. We're going to have a big green behind the cross, behind this process. No matter whether it, take, it would take a year or a week, it doesn't matter. But if we lose our heart, we're going to win the, we're going to lose the battle. Because I can say this, because I mean, coming from Buddhist background, the biggest struggle is fatalism, the hopelessness, losing the hope eventually. No love left. And then that's the moment that our life becomes really miserable. That's the first thing. The second thing is, then today, what do you want to call Jesus? What is Jesus to you? He's a savior. He's a comforter. Even he's a healer. But myself, what do I want to call Jesus? Maybe one of the biggest reasons that the, the religious leaders, they could not recognize Jesus as king is because of their false expectations. So they put Messiah in a box, but Messiah was not in the box. He was not born in a way that they expected. He didn't do in a way that they expect him to do, but he rather died. He was the loser. But what kind of expectations do I have? I know, for instance, the mother of sons of Zebedee in the book of Matthew, she wished her sons to be successful when Jesus built a kingdom. So she said, one of my sons sit at the right hand of the side, another one in the left. And then um, uh, one of the biggest, I think, maybe the mistake or challenges that current churches have, we just wish for the blessing. It's a blessing. We think Christianity is a blessing. That is true because God is hard to bless. But it doesn't mean, the blessing doesn't mean that we'll be just a sickness or disease free. We will have anxiety free. Or we have always enough money. It doesn't mean because when I look at the church history, it was always opposite because what happened to Jesus happened to the disciples, 12 disciples. They all suffered. They were underestimated. They were rejected. They were attacked by his own people. And then after them, even 300 years in Roman Empire, the Christianity has, been, has a long history of being persecuted. That's what is happening in many countries now. 
in Western in Europe it's safe, but it's it's not safe to be to be a Christ followers in everywhere. Still in Asia, many parts of Asia, it's danger, it's a mockery, it's a rejection from by even from the family members because they are they are away from the traditions. So that's what is happening in China, that's what is happening in North Korea. So Christianity is not Okay, Christianity is not only just, you know, perfect or magic wand kind of, you know, a religion that Jesus is going to do everything for us. Does it make sense? We will, we will go through the difficulties, but we will not just lose our hope because that's what the cross does for us. That's what the resurrection is for us. So Jesus, he, he actually he tried to bring the peace, but it was a sort of tensions because he provoked people to make it right. And the disciples, Paul was a troublemaker because where, wherever he went, there was a trouble because he wanted to make it right. Maybe that's Christianity. When we see something wrong, we stand as God's people because truth has no compromise. Truth has no compromise. Because of that, we have tensions. We, we can cause a lot more tensions in people. We can provoke more people. I think all, all parents, you understand when you see something, you know. We need to face it. If you don't face it, we are compromising. And then we know the result of the compromising. Then, this morning, my question is, who is Jesus to you? What title do you want to give him? Give it to him. Is this is your magic wand? Or is it a troublemaker in your life still? Is it causing more troubles in you? If so, there will be a victory in the end. Okay, so shall we pray? Okay. Yes, God, I know that none of us, we choose the easy way. All of us, we choose to follow the narrow gate. But following you is a privilege, God, because there is a security. There is a peace in it. Even though where something's going around uh, in a crazy way, God, there is only one place that we can go back, return to, is Jesus and, then at Jesus and the cross. So thank you so much for Jesus, who went through the sufferings, who went through the mockery, who went through the rejection, but who won the victory, God. So we honor your name, God. We look up to you and say thank you so much for your victory, gentle victory. And then you, we become uh, the participant of this process. And then I declare that we are the overcomers, God. So dear God, help us to really focus on you rather than any other struggles around us. But help us to focus on you alone. And then help us to just remember who Jesus is so that we can truly be who we are in you, God. So in the name of Jesus, I pray for the coming week. It will be a week that meditating on Jesus, the death and the resurrection and the sufferings, so that we can continue to just, uh, just go through this journey with a hope of the victory. So I pray for those who are struggling amongst us. God, I pray that you just comfort them and then give us 
uh, enough courage to stand up together today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We have relationship with God. We also have relationship with each other. Because actually, if you look around, if it wasn't for God, you wouldn't be seeing any of these people, would you? Um, And we're going to miss Naomi. Would you mind coming up? Thank you. Um, Yeah, so most of you know... um, YOM has, Youth with a Mission has a school uh, called the School of Biblical Studies. And a leader from the King's Lodge, Village, he pioneered the school online. So it will give access to people all, all around the world to, to have this tool to study the Bible. Um, not only YOMers, but people outside of YOM too. And... It's been running in English for a couple of years already, 10 years, and also French school, Arabic, in Portuguese, we have this school online at the moment. And the reason I came to England was to translate this online school into Spanish. And so this is something I've been working on for two years already. And during these two years here in England, I was able to met different leaders uh, in South America, in Latin America. And now I found out that I need to connect with these leaders, with this other school of biblical studies in Spanish, running in different bases, so I could finish the content of the online school. So this is what I've been working on, basically. And that's the reason I'm going back to Latin America. Uh, so I'll, I'll be home for a couple of months and then hopefully moving to Chile uh, to finish this project. And, yeah, I want to thank you so much. Uh, you have embraced me and made me I appreciate a lot more the British culture. Um, the church uh, has been, like all of you, have been really good people to me, really kind and of course, England would always be like like a home place to me. This has been the country that actually has like saw me grow spiritually, and um, yeah. So I'm gonna miss this country. I'm gonna miss you all. And yeah, I would really appreciate uh, your prayers. And this is something I share more specifically on the letter, newsletter the yeah uh yeah so that's it thank you so you can stay there aren't you because we want lots of people or a few people just to come out to the front now and just put arms around her and say we're going to miss you aren't we so do you want to come over here and, and if anyone wants to come and pray for Naomi, that'd be great just come out now you don't have to come here to pray out loud but it just shows concern and love, doesn't it? That uh, doesn't matter if we all come out to the front. That's okay as well. So let's just a few of us pray now, and we'll just sort of bless her on her way, just so she knows that when she's gone, it doesn't mean we've stopped praying for her. It just means we're praying for her in a different way. God, we thank you for Naomi and for the blessing that she's been to us as a fellowship while she's been here. 
And Lord, we just want to pray for her now as she will be leaving us. God, we pray that you will give her a really productive time when she gets at home. God, help her to reconnect with her family, with her friends. Lord, and to make new relationships there with, with churches so that she will have support as she then moves on into what you have for her next. God, I pray for the, yes, for the building and the restoration of good relationships and for the, the, um, the benefit that that will be for her and for them. Lord, I thank you that, that you work all things together for good. So God, for this time that will hopefully be a rest time as well, Lord, will you help her to recuperate after all the hard, hard work she's been doing. Lord, give her a good rest time while she gets home. Lord, we ask that you will just pour your blessing upon her and through her back to um, her family and her friends while she's away. And God, for her time in Chile, God, we just pray for um, the uh, relationships that she will build there. Lord, will your hands be upon them, God? And Lord, may that be, again, a really blessed and fruitful time for her and for them and for the purpose of, of fulfilling this uh, online school of biblical studies. Lord, we pray that your um, will would be done for her and through her as she goes on from this place. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that Noemi is a dynamic woman of faith where she will say yes to you when she hears you speak. And Lord, thank you that she said yes to you to come into England so that we could meet her and sort of be encouraged through her as well. And thank you, Lord, that she said yes to you, Lord, to go back to South America and to touch the lives of thousands, potentially thousands of people in this work that she's doing. So, Lord, we do pray you'll give us strength, physical and spiritual, Lord, to help her in this task. Lord, to help to have the nuances of translation and the nuances of uh, encouragement so, so that she gets to the uh, bottom of what the speaker is saying so that when she sort of puts it online that people can really readily access, access it and sort of just say, wow, I never knew that about God or never thought about that from the verse that the Bible's that saying there. So Lord, as she does these marvellous things for you, I pray Lord you'll fill her with peace and understanding. And take her forward and onward, Lord, to her next step as well. But thank you, Lord, so much for your time with us and blessing us so much here. Amen. Yeah, Father, we just pray a safe journey. We pray traveling mercies, Lord, that it will be uneventful, that, Father, she'll arrive refreshed and safe back home. And that, Father, they'll just be a fantastic welcome for her when she gets there. And we just pray that uh, she will continue to grow in you through the things that she does next, that she will continue to be 
uh, a woman of faith and a woman who is on fire for you. Uh, Father, we just ask that you would fan those flames and make them even stronger. And that, Father, she would just become a phenomenal lady of God. In Jesus' name, amen.